1: What's up, everybody? Anthony Gazenza here with the Orange and Black Inside Angles podcast. Thanks for listening. Part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel and, of course, all part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. Happy to be coming at you. We usually do these on Tuesday. And by the way, I am early for you live streamers. I set this about 10 minutes from now and I got it. I got in early here. So uh, big news day. And so I decided that we were going to start this thing a little early. Talk about Jesse Bates. Talk about some different things in the NFL going on. A lot of Bengals stuff as free agency is hitting us in the form of a franchise tag designation. Uh, that deadline, you know, is is around the league here. So you're getting a lot of news on that front, along with some other news. We're going to talk about the Jesse Bates news. Um, provide a little bit of context, thanks to some great coverage folks and um, just some of our own research as well. So we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about all kinds of different Bengals, free agency news and whatnot. But again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider. Happy to have you with us. If you're joining us on the live stream, happy to have you tuning in via Twitter, one of a handful of Twitter accounts, or our OBI YouTube channel, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Appreciate you tuning in and uh, giving us a listen. Or if you're tuning in after the fact, of course, you can catch the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major audio streaming platforms. We are there along with the other shows in the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Orange is the New Black from Mason Zim and Coach Speaking Chalk Talk from The Coach, Matt Minnick. All right, well. Let's just kind of dive right into it. Big news shortly before I, I, I kind of was thinking about hey, maybe you know, I'll talk I'll talk about this stuff tomorrow and whatnot. But the Bengals, they come up with the big news here. And my co-host and uh, good friend John Sheeran provided the article on CincyJungle.com. I will pin that in the live chat for you all. I'll also show you a couple of other pieces of news on this, but The Bengals used the franchise tag on Jesse Bates. Not really a surprise. I know a lot of folks wanted there to be a different outcome. I know a lot of folks wanted there to be a long-term deal in place. The good news is they have a few months to be able to do this. And unlike some of the previous franchise tag designations that the Bengals have made, um, especially in recent history, this is a situation wherein you're thinking that they're going to try and hammer this one out pretty ardently, as opposed to maybe some some other players that they've you know they they just kind of said hey we're going to hang on to you and let you prove it for a year. That doesn't seem to be the case here. The Bengals really want to try and keep this guy long term, and they have until mid July to do so. So the Bengals use the franchise tag on Jesse Bates. What does that mean? It is a fully guaranteed one year deal, which basically. Means that he is at this point, I think he's it's in the ballpark of 13 to 13 and a half million. I've, I've heard both at this point, but you're in the 13 and a half ish dollar range for the year right now for Jesse Bates. He's 25 years old. Um, you know, he, he's basically been a stalwart on your defense, and that defense took a nice step forward this year. Ironically, it was Bates that didn't have the great regular season, but had an outstanding, outstanding postseason. Um, and so they are using the franchise tag on him. He was a second rounder out of the 2018 draft. Has 12 interceptions in his career. Um, did get second team all pro honors last season, after last season, 2020. Um, and uh, l- like I said, just kind of took a little bit of a dip in the regular season this year, but played outstanding outstanding football in the postseason here. So um, you can see here there was an interview with Dan Horde and Dave Lapham recently. Bates went as far as to to say, quote, I guess I haven't done enough yet to be considered one of the top safeties in the league. Kind of a tongue-in-cheek jab, I guess, a little bit at the organization, the Bengals organization, and, and the offers, I guess, that have been put out there on the table. It just seems that these two cannot – seem to get on the same page. And unfortunately, in addition to this, I I had been seeing some things from some of my colleagues on Twitter out there showing that Jesse Bates on his social media channels has, I guess, eliminated Bengals safety, kind of puts NFL safety and all that kind of stuff. I haven't really taken a close look at that. I'm not the most savvy social media guy, unfortunately, but, um, you know, there may be some of that stuff going on. Uh, I Bates has made it known he wants to stay in Cincinnati. The Bengals have made it publicly known that they'd like to keep him. He was part of their advertising campaign for the New Jerseys, the marketing campaign for the New Jerseys and whatnot that were unveiled this spring. He was a big part of that. And so, you know, you kind of figured that he was going to be a guy that's going to be in their long-term plans. This is the very definition of what the Bengals say they like to do in draft, develop, retain. This is the very definition of a guy that you want to do that with. So, um, and unfortunately, for better or for worse, this is some of the stuff that comes up after a very successful season by the team. These kind of hardball negotiations and a little bit of back and forth and, um, you know, Players are trying to rightfully so leverage their ability to get all the money that they can. And this is going to be Bates most important and likely most lucrative contract in terms of if, it, if he receives a long-term deal at this point in time, this would be his most this year or next would be the most lucrative contract that he would be receiving. So he wants to really fight for that. And I can't really blame him for that. Um, at any rate. Uh, so you, you could, you know, going back to some of the situations in the regular season where there were some struggles by Jesse Bates in the regular season and whatnot, he kind of maybe alluded to the fact that, you know, there were some, some focusing, there was some focusing on his part on the contract situation. He kind of let that go and, and that coincided with some great play by him there, namely at the end of the season there. So Jesse Bates is your franchise tag player for the Cincinnati Bengals and um, the Bengals will undoubtedly be working towards a longer term solution with their star safety. Why do I say that? Well, here is the article on Bengals.com. I will pin this for you there. Great guy, Jeff Hobson, relaying the news. We love, we love Jeff. Um, here it is here, and there's some quotes here. There's the estimated one year $13.5 million figure that I said there. Um, Again, mid-July is the deadline to hammer out a long-term deal with franchise tag designees. And, of course, here is the quote from Katie Blackburn. Jesse, quote, Jesse has been an outstanding player here for four years. Over the past year, we've tried to extend his contract here in Cincinnati. And while that hasn't come to pass, we want him here for 2022 to be a part of what we think should be an exciting football season and bright future for our organization, end quote. At the Combine, Duke Tobin told the media that securing Bates is, quote, front and center for the club this season, this offseason. So they've all but secured him, it would would seem. Um, Further quote from Tobin here, quote, he's a guy that developed and that, that has played well. It has had a real role on our team in a lot of different areas, particularly in leadership and playmaking skill, Tobin said. He's a guy we want going forward. We want him to be a part of our group, so we'll see what we can do to get that done. This, this is something that John and I talked about on our show with Bates last Wednesday, wherein this is something that players, it's not just Bates and his own I guess, mindset or attitude about the contract negotiations and different things going on and and his attitude towards the Bengals in this process. When you see guys publicly lobbying for Jesse Bates to get his extension, Mike Hilton, etc., this is one of those things that gets monitored undoubtedly by players in that locker room. They know the situation. They know how this is being handled. Obviously, Bates has got some friends on this team and some probably some very close friends on this team. And there are guys that want to see him get paid because he's a, he's a good guy, but also a great football player. He's been a leader and a guy that has been through a lot in his time with the Bengals. So they want to see him get paid. He wants to see himself get paid. The Bengals want him to stay as well. It's the the likely sticking point, as we've pointed out before, probably is with maybe, maybe years, maybe overall money. You know, those, that's the kind of stuff that's out there, but It always seems to be that we hear later on in free agency and whatnot, the guaranteed money aspect. And we'll talk about that in a second, because I got a question from uh, somebody on Twitter about, uh, I think it's a listener of the show and reader of Cincy Jungle that um, wanted a little clarification on the guaranteed money aspect. That seems to be what continues to hang up the Bengals in retaining some of their star players or in the past being in the running for other star free agency players. So I'll, I'll let you know right here. Um, yeah. Duke's words, right. You see here from uh DD in the YouTube chat, Duke's words to me are the most important IE Bates's contract talks are quote front and center. And obviously they were talking about how retaining him is key. Well, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they have Jesse Bates for this year. There's not, you know, I mean, the franchise tag essentially locks down the player for the season. And um, that's, that's where we're at with this. All right. So this is, this I thought was very interesting and being a history major in my past, I always love, I love Bengals history. I love all this kind of stuff going back to this and this Jay Morrison always provides a ton of good stuff here. um, and, And he is at, uh, at Jay Morrison, ATH, of course, Jay Morrison is with The Athletic, does a great job with Paul Daner Jr. I'm going to go back here one sec. At The Athletic, uh, he writes here about an hour ago, shortly after this was announced, history is always important context when discussing the Bengals, even with recent moves outside their tendencies. This is the eighth time they've used the franchise tag, and only once before did they sign the player to an extension that same year which was Rudy Johnson back in 05. They tagged AJ Green in 20 because that was the prove it year that was the one I was alluding to earlier. Michael Johnson 13 they let him walk and then as as Morrison notes returned after Tampa Bay cut him a year later that that worked out well for the Bengals. Mike Nugent into oddly enough they franchise tagged two kickers in a matter of four off seasons. a four year window. I okay. Mike Nugent in 2012, and then they signed him to a two-year deal uh, afterward. So after that deal expired, they signed him to another two-year deal. So not in the same offseason. Shane Graham in 09, he walked after that. Stacy Andrews in 08, let him walk. And Justin Smith in 07, let him walk. That one hurt as well. So this, this is all important context and really good research by Morrison here. I, uh, you know, obviously the, the more recent ones com- immediately come to mind, but this is not a regular pra- practice by the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of the franchise tag. And it is not a regular practice, unfortunately to get a deal done in the same offseason wherein they tag a player. That does not mean that number one, they won't do it this time with Jesse Bates. And number two, this does not mean that it won't happen after this season. However. One is inclined to think that if they do not get a long-term deal done here this season, I don't know that unless they really, really throw the bag at Jesse Bates and go way out of their comfort zone next offseason, I don't I don't know that he would be inclined to return to the Bengals if you know negotiations continue on the same pace. That's just a pure speculation on my point. You would think maybe he would kind of say, well, I'm not being valued at this, but where I think I should be valued at this point and go from there. Regardless, this is this is always a bittersweet piece of news when you franchise tag a player because essentially that player stays with your team for the year and you're excited about that. The player is not very excited about that because their long-term future is not guaranteed. There's the injury risk and all of that that could affect free agency for them next year and they want to know where they're going to be in the next couple of years that's just part of the deal so uh, good stuff from jay morrison there appreciate him sharing that and so this is these are all things that need to be considered when we talk about the franchise tag and we talk about things from the player perspective but for now this takes care of an immediate vacancy, an immediate need, and is kind of a predictable route that the Bengals were taking here. Uh, I saw something from our our buddy Joe Goodberry talking about potential safeties being something the Bengals look at if they feel that the Jesse Bates negotiations aren't going where they would like them to go because of the Von Bell and Jesse Bates contract situations that they have signed and uh, where things may go next year Um, in terms of those guys and then of course you know they lost brandon wilson as a backup safety last year to injury and you know there's all kinds of different variables ricardo allen retires this year so they've got they've got to probably figure out some things on the safety market and that may be somewhere they look on the free agency route that not a lot of people are talking about i mean obviously they're saying safety where the, in the free agency for the Bengals is Jesse Bates, but they may also look for reserve safeties out there to kind of bolster the depth as well. So keep an eye on that too. Um, so we've got a couple of questions here and this isn't necessarily the listener question show, but I always love your questions. And if you feel like throwing, throwing in a super chat or whatnot, we always appreciate those. If you're tuning into us on YouTube, Vito Scott here says, does tagging Bates mean more? And this is from the Facebook page, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Does tagging baits mean more money in free agency? Um, not really. Not really. Uh, because that's, that's a, a guaranteed cap hit and all of that. So th- not really. If the Bengals were to structure a deal, that, a longer-term deal, where they could spread out that cap hit and not have it all hit this year, that would be... Uh, more team friendly. Now, this was likely something that they had already planned on, e- even if it was temporary, and they feel that they can get something done in the next few months. Here, this was probably this was something that they said w- we should probably plan on doing this and put that money on the books, take that cap hit into account as we approach this off are We're, we're going to talk about a couple of uh, uh, potential cap casualties this year for the Bengals where we kind of are feeling that Trey Waynes is going to be in that block. There's another one we'll talk about in in a sec. So they're going to have to kind of play some, they're going to have to play some math with some math here to figure things out and also do things to improve their football team, not just tread water by retaining one of their star players for the short term. Um, You know, I, I always look at when you retain your players, even though they may be ascending, even though they may be hitting their prime like a Jesse Bates and or, you know, could be in a good position to have a really nice bounce back season next year as opposed to the regular season of last year. I always kind of look at retaining your own players as, well, that's kind of a lot of the stuff you're supposed to do. That's treading water stuff. That's not improving your football team per se. That's continuing the locker room chemistry. That's, you know, all of that kind of stuff so i there are pluses to to this move but there's also just kind of a well we're just kind of treading water a little bit by by keeping baits on this franchise tag situation now along with that question by veto there i received this question on twitter here from bluegrass hoosier and this says hey anthony i keep hearing this is about, quote, guaranteed money. Can you break it down for those of us not in the know? Well, I don't know exactly which part it is here, but essentially the guaranteed money, yes. And the guaranteed money is is kind of more real money of a contract. So if we're looking at a very true definition of what guaranteed money is and all that kind of stuff, I did a little digging. Um, I, I knew a bit about it myself, but I did a little digging and really went to the absolute source. This is the 2021 This is from nfl.com. I'm sharing this screen with with those who are watching the video here. This is from nfl.com, 2021 free agency. And this is their glossary, essentially, for uh, guarantee, you know, all kinds of different things. And and I I stumbled across this contract language guaranteed money. Um, You know, basically, it says compensation in NFL contracts can be guaranteed for three purposes, skill, cap, and or injury. Compensation in a player contract can be guaranteed for one, two, or all, all or none of the guarantees subject to some rules. If a money, if money in a player contract is protected for skill cap and injury, that money is fully guaranteed at signing and will be paid to the player. So when you enter a negotiation with, say, if you're Jesse Bates and you're talking to the Bengals. They may, Bates' side, may be wanting most or all of these guaranteed areas. And rightfully so. He's been a good player. Second team All-Pro in 2020. Helped his team get to a Super Bowl this year, etc., etc. The list goes on and on of everything we've talked about. The Bengals may balk at that. Because the Bengals aren't as... and, And I want to bring on... Andre Parada, and if you don't, um, if you don't have, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you need to follow him because he is uh, pretty well versed in this area in terms of salary cap, uh, how teams operate and whatnot. But essentially, you know, there's teams that are more <coughs> apt to spending true cash, guaranteed money, etc., And teams like the Bengals are not prone to doing that. And so that's where they have to be more creative with their contract structures. Sometimes players get uh, fluffed up contract numbers that don't really have the true guaranteed money when they sign with the Bengals. It's more, you know, when you hear that, just that blanket statement, this is a four-year deal worth $70 million. You know, you got to look at the guaranteed money, which is true money. And again, Compensation in a player contract can be guaranteed for one, two, or all of the guarantees, which is skill, cap, and or injuries. The skill guarantee. Here we go. Let's go down here a little bit here. Um, Skill guarantee. If a player contract is terminated because, in the team's opinion, he does not have the requisite skill due to a loss or lack of skills comparable to others on the team at his position, the player will be entitled to any money that is protected by a skill guarantee. Cap guarantee. If a player's contract is terminated so that a team could get under the salary cap, sign a free agent, or re sign one of its current players, the player is entitled to any money that is protected by a cap guarantee. Injury guarantee. If a player is released but is currently unable to perform football duties, i.e., doesn't pass a physical as a result of team activities, the player is entitled to any money in his contract protected against injury an injury only guarantee is the most common in terms of partially guaranteed money there's a key phrase right there so i to be quite honest i don't really know the nuances of, of the Bengals in terms of where they may have sticking points with guarantees. We know that the guaranteed money is a sticking point. We've heard that for a a while now, or at least we think we know that's the major sticking point when it comes to some of these negotiations. And when it comes to negotiations with players at positions that they do not value, I feel like a broken record. I've said this a lot, safety, offensive guard, interior offensive line, um, you know, and, and a couple of others, those just aren't, really high, highly valued positions by the Bengals, and really not not so much even around the league for the most part. They love quarterbacks. They love wide receivers. They love tackles. They love cornerbacks, right? Um They've paid Geno Atkins handsom- handsomely in his career, but, you know, I mean, it's up and down in terms of interior defensive line help and interior offensive line Interior defensive line is hit and miss with the Bengals linebackers are kind of hit and miss. Perfect made some money recently with the Bengals, but um, you know, it it just kind of depends. So the position does play a part into it. You know, we've seen the Bengals have injury issues in the past, you know, maybe that's a sticking point, the cap issue. So all of these three though, play into the, into the guaranteed money. And we'll bring on Andre Parada on one of our episodes coming up here. With the free agency kickoff, to get a little more information on this, but this this hopefully gives a little bit of a framework with some of the questions we've been asked on guaranteed money, why that ish- issue is what it is, and um, that's uh, hopefully that provides a little bit of of context. Um, and then, of course, you know, again, what does this mean for free agency? If, if Vito asked that. I don't I don't know that it really alters the Bengals' plans very much from what they originally were you know going into this after the season ended or maybe even you know if they how however early they were constructing this offseason plan obviously they were focused on the postseason and continuing on there and that big run but you have to figure that this was part of the plan i mean obviously the ideal situation for everybody they get a long-term deal done that works out for everybody and then it's just not a worry but You had to figure that this was going to be part of the plan, the franchise tag. They had that number in mind, and they were going to work with that number and play with that number with the cap. And what that means for other players on this team, the Bengals are in good shape salary cap-wise, but this was this is going to be a big hit at a position that they don't normally pay a huge premium to. So now when you're looking at the Bengals potentially entering the tackle market in free agency, when you're looking at the Bengals entering the interior offensive line market in free agency. Interior defensive line, interior pass rush help, maybe cornerback, maybe maybe additional safeties. I mean, this is all going to play into that. This is all going to put play into that. So uh, that is, it's. It, I I don't think it frees up any money, but I think it's also a figure that the Bengals. This was kind of you know the worst case scenario type of option in terms of well we keep them but that's this cap hit thirteen million ish thirteen five million. This, the money that's going to Bates, that's going to be, we're we're going to plan on that being part of the, part of the equation and then go from there and make our moves from there. Now, what does that mean for some of the players currently on the roster and under contract? What does that mean for outside free agents? We'll see. We'll see.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Learn more at marines.com.
1: But here we go. Speaking of what the Bengals and changing gears a little bit, talking free agency, the Bengals are, and this is on cincyjungle.com, the Bengals are rumored to be players in the free agent center market. So there are a couple of names that have been kicked around here. This guy right here, if you're watching the video, I'm circling him with my mouse. Bradley Bozeman is one of them. So Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network insider, he has a good, he's always had a good uh, pulse on the Baltimore Ravens and whatnot, and and the rest of the NFL. But um, there's some talk about Trey Hopkins. We'll get there in a second. But Aaron Wilson reports, Ryan Jensen, which we've heard about for a while, and Bradley Bozeman of the Ravens, these are two guys that are supposed to have, quote, robust markets and teams like the Buccaneers, where Jensen last suited up for, the Bengals, the Jags, the Jets, and others are expected to have serious serious interest in those centers, according to league sources, not authorized to speak publicly. Ryan Jensen's really intriguing. He's a little bit up there in age, and you'd probably have to pay him pretty handsomely. He's a very good player, though, and you would think – playing with Tom Brady, winning and winning a Super Bowl and going to the playoffs this year. You would think maybe he would be inclined to sign with a team that just was a few points away from winning a Super Bowl this year in the Bengals. Maybe that would give him the money. But again, what is that money? What's the guaranteed money? All of that as, as opposed to teams like Jacksonville who yearly – throw a ton of money at players even though they don't have much in the win column to show for it they go after and they've gone after guys that the Bengals have gone after Uh, remember Schobert a couple years ago the linebacker they threw a ton of money at him only to have him be traded off to the to the steelers last year so uh you know at any rate the Bengals are one of four or five listed teams here that could be very, very interested in one of those two centers, two of the better ones on the market. Bozeman's obviously a talented guy, um, but he, you know, there's a, a little bit of people who are smarter than me are saying, you know, they're not as enamored with the film there as they would be with a Ryan Jensen. So we'll see what happens, but either of those could be a help to the offensive line for the Bengals. And they are expected to make a push for it. Now, they're not only interested in centers uh brian in iowa who is leaking these rumors if you um on that last one from pro football network from aaron wilson he's an insider he is not allowed or not he is not divulging his sources but um he he has sources so there's not a named source there but uh and that's usually how that stuff goes anyways Bengals are interested in 49ers offensive guard Lakin Tomlinson, another big name on the market, a good player who would help out the Bengals offensive line for sure. And this is a guy that would also free up the draft plans. As we get closer to the legal tampering period on March 14th, the rumors of free agent interest are starting to pile in. That's the first line of this article on CincyJungle.com. I will pin this one as well, but Laken Laken Tomlinson is a guy of the Bengals. Uh, Per Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler, both of ESPN, a long list of teams interested in Laken Tomlinson. He he did turn 30 last month, former first round pick, uh, and... Played pretty well last year, as opposed to having some struggles in the years prior. But the teams interested include the Vikings, the Steelers, the Seahawks, Panthers, Jets, and the Bengals, all interested in his services. And obviously, you know, when there's a long line or a rumored long line of teams wanting to get some of these players, that is indicative of where the offensive line talent pool is in the NFL right now. We've we've heard that there's a shortage of talented offensive linemen in the league right now. So you know it's kind of you're going to need to to pay these guys. You're going to need to draft and develop. That is for sure. And find the right guys in the draft. Um, but he would uh, potentially be a guy that would be your starting right guard, um, unless you know you have plans for Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, whatever there. You know, if you uh, – one of those guys may be in the in the running for – or both of them may be in the running for the left guard position. That's up in the air now that Quentin Spain is also a free agent. We'll have to see what happens there. A guy we talked about a little bit on last week's show, and there's a video up on our channel right now, kind of spliced the rookie preview, the prospect preview of Kenyon Green. That would be a guy that would come in and potentially start for you day one as a left guard, talented kid. Didn't have a great workout, but talented kid nonetheless. So a lot of things in flux on the offensive line, and the Bengals appear to be interested in a number of bigger names on the market, at least as it goes with centers and guards. Now, this is an another interesting one, and Brian, who mentioned – you know the anonymity aspect. Who are these? Who are these people saying this? Uh, I don't know. But an anonymous agent says a free, a prominent free agent tight end wants to play with Joe Burrow. So, and this is from Doug Kied from Pro Football Focus, an insider there. Talked to talk to an agent who represents an impending free agent. Said quote, "They badly." Want the want the tight end to join the Bengals specifically to play with Burrow? Quote completely unprompted, an agent for a prominent free agent tight end told PFF recently how badly he wanted his client to sign with the Bengals and play with quarterback Joe Burrow. So it is the agent, but obviously the agent pushing that. There has to be some sort of pretty high interest level from the player himself uh, to go play with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So. Interesting there, and again, the smoke screens, the rumors, the possible truths, all of that will be answered in um, you know a little over a week here as the tampering period and all that kind of stuff kicks off in the free agent frenzy for 22 coming up here. But uh, it sounds like the Bengals will be in the mix for some interesting players, <clears throat> excuse me, some players who should help them right away as well. Let's roll on because unfortunately with some of these acquisitions comes possible um, releases of quality players or players that um, should be thought about as salary cap casualties, etc., uh, and this is from Nathan Begley on CincyJungle.com. I will pin this here. Trey Hopkins, a potential cut target as Bengals look to improve the offensive line. Now there's also an alternative here. Athletic, The Athletics' Paul Daner Jr. speculated that cutting Trey Hopkins seems like the smart move. He wrote, quote, the Bengals would save $6 million against the um Against minimal dead money by cutting ties with Hopkins, it's hard to get past that kind of money after a subpar year. Hopkins is about to be 30, coming off a of torn ACL. Widely respected, intelligent, etc., cetera, um, leadership. But, you know, they just need a little bit more up front. Now, the alternative to this that some people have proposed is that you move Hopkins as a guard option if you do sign a Jensen, a Bozeman as a possible upgrade at center maybe draft one and Hopkins moves. Hopkins does have some, albeit mixed results as a guard in the NFL. He's been kind of a do it all guy in his career. And I always, every time I talk about Trey Hopkins, I always say, go look at the guy's career trajectory, what he has been able to do, achieve and everything. And his career path with the Bengals, it's something to marvel at, quite honestly. So um, unfortunately, you know, that, that, end of season knee injury in 2020 really kind of changed things for him and the Bengals. And I don't know that he was ever fully right until really the later part of the season. And that's when some of the improvements started in terms of his overall play in 21. So that's something to monitor there, but a guy they like for his leadership, a guy they like for a lot of different reasons. He's a player that, you know, has been a mainstay on the Bengals for quite some time. And we'll see, you know, saving that 6 million could come in handy, whether it's to help extend Jesse Bates, whether it's to get additional line help. And then of course you've got Trey Wayne's salary out there. That's, that's probably going to get looked at. (laughs) So all of that has to be taken into account as the Bengals kind of retool and rework their roster. Talking some draft here, there have been a number of visits and known interest and in all kinds of different things with the Bengals and prospects. Sean Ryan, a UCLA tackle, this is a really intriguing guy. The, the There's a lot of athleticism there. He tested well at the Combine, and we'll talk about some of those who tested pretty well at the Combine here. But, um, you know, he's a tackle, but he might be a guard at the next level. Uh, and and so that, you know, that versatility and whatnot is something that you, that you could look at. So he did have a meeting with the Bengals at the, at the combine and quote, they were asking me to break down some of the plays I had seeing where I could do better. Ryan said of his conversation with the Bengals, they were just interviewing me as a person to see if I'm a good person. I think that I am. I'm grateful they wanted to interview me, especially with how well they did this past year. He's 6'5, 320, first team all pack 12. I'm I'm somewhat familiar with him. I want to go watch a little bit more of him. Uh there was some good, there was a good start to the UCLA. Um, you know, a lot of optimism with UCLA's offense and whatnot this year. Um, and so some folks have him being the Bengals pick at 31. Uh, others say he's an early day two pick just because of the athleticism, upside, et cetera. 6'5, 320 moved well at the combine, moved well. So that helped his stock for sure. But it's just a matter of, um, you know, does he have, is there enough there to properly develop? Because the Bengals just, they can't, unless they're active in free agency and they want to develop these guys for a year, two years down the road. They need guys who can who can help you out right away and who could play able offensive line right now unless you go get the guys out in free agency. that's That's got to be the plan. That's got to be the plan. So interesting article there, though, and a very, very intriguing player, a guy that could be in the mix for the Bengals at the end of the first round, Sean Ryan. Special teams may have a big shakeup. There's been quite a bit of, of a shakeup, at least with, The kicking situation. Evan McPherson, of course, coming in and as a rookie being absolutely outstanding, had some of the biggest kicks in Bengals history this year. Uh, And one of their mainstays since 2009, another guy they used a draft pick on at a not so popular position, but a guy who's been a good pick for them overall, uh, Darren Simmons, the special teams coordinator says there will be a punning competition between this guy right here, Kevin Huber, Drew Chrisman, who was on and off and all kinds of different places with the Bengals practice squad and roster and all kinds of stuff. They seem to like Chrisman and, uh, Huber's done a lot of good things for the Bengals, but, um, quote, possibly replacing Huber as the punter and holder is going to be an important deal for us. Simmons told Jay Morrison of The Athletic. I certainly don't want to mess up the operation we've got going right now because it's super important. You've got to score points to win games, but yet when we need to flip the field position, we've got to be able to hit the ball out of the back of our end zone and not let their offense start inside the 50. That was an issue a couple times. And also, you know, just later in the year, it seemed like Huber didn't have the same kind of pop on some of his punts as it got colder and the weather was worse. So." Uh, that's something they're going to look at. There's something they're going to look at for sure, and we'll see. I mean, Huber's been a great guy for the Bengals. He's had a great career. Um, it just might be time that that it, there's a transition there. And also, um, Clark Harris is a guy that's been with the team for a, a long time, since 2009, replaced Brad St. Louis, who had the inexplicable yips with the <laughs> with the snaps, in that season. And he's been great as well for the team. So they have a big decision to make there. And, you know, he had another quality season did Harris with the Bengals. So um, we'll see now. Bengals made a couple of changes at the assistant coaching ranks. One of which is Charles Burks from the Miami dolphins. He came over from the dolphins and Marion hobby came over from the dolphins a year prior and really revamped the Bengals defensive line and their performance. Charles Burks is, quote, an up-and-coming star as he comes to the Cincinnati Bengals. And, uh, you know, is very excited about it. And he said, quote, great get. Great recommendations from people I trust. Very good overall teacher. Very good relationship with the players. I like him a lot. Ohio State secondary coach Tim Walton, who is a mentor, of Burks says, quote, an up and coming star, an elite thinker with a passion to learn. He's got a great mind with a vision on how he can impact others. And that seems to be real theme with a lot of the coaches here is the level of communication, the way they relay what they're trying, what they're trying to teach and all of that. That's a, That's a big thing with Zach Taylor and his staff. No doubt about it. And I think that goes hand in hand also with the offensive line emphasis and the fact that they've brought in a third coach to help out there, continue with development, communication, et cetera. So I pinned that article for the in the live chats there for you all to enjoy, read, digest. Uh, we're going to get moving on to some of the AFC North, a couple of quick ones there, and then a couple of quick ones around the NFL because we've uh, been going for a little while here. But before we kind of Close up on the Bengals specific stuff. Uh, just a quick note here Drew Sample, his wife, his wife, and his in laws, uh, so his wife's family, um, all have Ukrainian ties. And uh, there was a report, I believe it was from Fox News, that uh, was relayed to us. He made an appearance on Fox News um, that uh, Drew Sample was kind of talking about his in laws sheltering in Ukraine. Uh, quote the conditions are pretty miserable for a 76 year old woman to be hiding in a basement at her age um, this is his wife i believe that is um relaying this it's just dangerous for her to even get in and out to be in her house is even more dangerous with air raid sirens going off so scary stuff over there quote obviously we understand there's a lot of people in our similar situation and we've been trying to bring awareness just to the fact of how hard it's been on these people um Drew Sample said. And so for us, it has been hard because there's really no good answers. So uh, keep them in your thoughts for sure. Some, some not, not so great stuff going on with Drew Sample's in-laws and they relayed kind of their family struggles and what's going on with his wife's family in Ukraine there. And that is on cincyjungle.com. My colleague, John Sharon did the write-up on that one. So definitely go check it out. As for uh, this is kind of a generic one. I've never really done this, but as for the – this is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is from behind the steel curtain, the uh, our, our colleague site within the SB Nation Network. Check this out. If you look at draft visits or, you know, all kinds of different stuff, addressing the offensive line, well, there's, there's that guy, Ryan Jensen. Steelers free agency rumors are starting to turn. Lake and Tomlinson and here's this guy mock draft Monday the Steelers take a versatile offensive lineman right there in Kenyon Green so when we're talking offensive line the Bengals and the Steelers might be vying for a lot of the same players in both frenzies so we'll have to be very very closely watching where some of these guys go because some of these Players that we are very interested in from the Bengals side of things, and/or the Bengals are rumored to be interested in themselves, they may end up at their division rival. So I just found this interesting that there are articles, you know, as we go through what I was talking about in our recent rookie profile. I mean, there's three guys right there: Jensen, Tomlinson, and uh, Green in the draft that show that they are. Looking at some of the same people, and so we'll see who wins out there between the Steelers and the Bengals. If indeed there is some sort of race to revamp the offensive lines, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. This is an article on BaltimoreRavens.com, and this is a recent. There was a recent appearance from Lamar Jackson talking about the Super Bowl maturity and motivation on the LeBron James show, the shop. I think there was a little bit of contract talk on there as well, but uh, you can see that you, there's the YouTube link there. You can see that LeBron James show um, some quotes on John Harbaugh. Uh, yeah, he's cool. That's a very competitive coach. He competes with us. Um, we're working out in the weight room. He's standing next to you. and says, you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm doing sixties. What are you doing forties for? Um, so he talks kind of about that relationship there. Uh, talking about Super Bowl 56, watching the game. I want to be in it. I'm really not a fan of either team, you know. I want to be in it, but I had a feeling the Rams were going to win just because I felt Aaron Donald was there before. Um, okay, so there's that uh, pregame stuff adapting and growing. Lately, since I've been in the league, defenses have been changing. They don't play me like they play their other defenses. I've got to get ready for a dogfight every game. They're going to play their, their best. Um, they're doing it all now, meaning a spy or what have you. This is my fifth year going to be in the league. Um, got to change my approach, my mindset, um, and a lot more. So go check that out and go watch the um, the, the actual video itself, the episode of the shop by LeBron, LeBron James, who had Lamar Jackson on there. Interesting chat on there. The Bengals weren't the only one who in the AFC North who designated a franchise tag player. Here's David Njoku, a guy who I, I kind of joked. A couple of weeks ago, that he has had all kinds of different stories follow him as a Browns player. It's he was gonna get traded, he was gonna get cut, then he's gonna be the franchise player, and lo and behold, he is the franchise player. He is a former first-round pick. 36 catches, 475 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns last year. He is their franchise player. This probably would not have been the case had the Browns not cut. Odell Beckham Jr. And if there was not already some uncertainty with Jarvis Landry, or I don't know if uncertainty is even the right word, I guess. I don't know, I'm trying to think of the word displeasure on his part, or I don't know. There was a recent tweet where he was explaining his side of things with the Browns and an injury he had and all kinds of different things. So um, David Njoku is the Browns franchise tag player. And we have heard all kinds of different stuff with him over the past couple of years, he was going to get cut. He's going to get traded, all kinds of stuff. And now he's their franchise player. Talented guy, athletic guy. And uh, he's, he's had a couple of nice plays against the Bengals too. So, um, And you see here, 1754 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns in his career. Um, and he's a big dude, 6'4", 246. Uh, so he's going to be around at least for next year, it would seem, with the Browns. So the Bengals got a plan for that one. Some general NFL news. Some good news in a lot of different ways. The NFL is suspending COVID protocols within the league, um, and this is from my colleague John Sheeran. There is a memo. There was the official memo that was shared. Uh, essentially, testing. Um, they'll have to follow, clubs are going to follow their state laws. So whatever the state mandates are or state regulations are at that time, but the league-wide protocols have been lifted. Um, mandatory surveillance testing for players and staff, regardless of vaccination status, that's gone. Um, they will need to have an on-site testing space if they're exhibiting symptoms so that they will, you know, they'll still monitor it from that, from that kind of side of things, but, uh, and they will need to provide testing options, all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the combine returned to its old self, this year, uh, cases have dropped. Um, you know, we've, I, I, the world's been through three variants at this point right now. And hopefully, um, you know, there's a lot of people who have been vaccinated and all kinds of stuff. So it just seems as if this is um, where things may be headed as a whole. But we'll see. I mean, the, the NFL, the largest sports entity in the United States, essentially is, you know, taking this stance and kind of being the front runner on this thing you'd have to probably think that a lot of entities would follow suit behind them based on their kind of being progressive in this nature here but quote the quote was based on current encouraging trends regarding the prevalence and severity of COVID 19 the evolving guidance from the cdc changes to state law and the council of our respective experts the nfl and nflpa Players Association have agreed to suspend all aspects of the joint COVID-19 protocols effective immediately. What is not talked about in terms of changes or whatnot is the stadium situations, masking, vaccination, providing negative tests, all that kind of stuff. One would think that if things continue to move in a positive direction with all of this stuff, the, that, the, that that will also be lifted for fans as they attend games, but we will see. Um, you know, there's not a lot of stadiums that require real, real specific, um, at least not as of last season, real, real specific regulations. You know, Las Vegas had some, uh, had kind of some of the stricter ones. I think Seattle did as well. So we'll see exactly what happens with all of this. But um, as of now, from the player and staff side of things, the NFL is lifting the COVID protocols will still have testing options and whatnot available should players be exhibiting symptoms. And that's that's the other part too is um, you know, they're still going to have help available kind of thing, just not as regulated as it was in the in the past couple of seasons. But we will continue on here. This was a bit of big news. They came across the wire. Right around the same time as the Jesse Bates News, Adam Schefter reports that Calvin Ridley, the Falcons wide receiver, is going to be suspended for the entire 22 season by the league because he not only bet on NFL games, but he placed bets on his team, the Falcons, while he was away from the team. For personal reasons. So you can see here, this is the specifics, I guess. The NFL determined that Calvin Ridley placed multi-legged parlay bets involving three, five, and eight games that included the Falcons to win. Per a source, investigation determined there was no involvement from any team players, coaches, etc. He placed the bet himself on, on his phone or a mobile device um, from out of the state. So that is now uh, what... Calvin Ridley is facing a year long suspension and he has, I guess, an $11 million deal on the table for 22 and the amount of money he claims to have placed on this bet or these bets, according to his Twitter account was $1,500. So he bet $1,500 and I guess, if you want to look at it this way uh, in doing so risked $11 million that he had coming to him and that didn't work out for him. We'll see if he can and will appeal the suspension. I don't know. I, I don't think a lot of people expected this one coming out here. It, it, uh, it kind of blindsided quite a few people, including myself. So at any rate, some some news with calvin ridley i think did i have his tweet as well yeah um this is this is his tweet here i'll share it real quick i think it says i bet 1500 total i don't have a gambling problem that's on his official account so there it is now we will end here with kind of a generic uh, post from the n from nfl.com this is kind of just some winners and losers from the combine as it wraps up the all combine team, the 2022 all combine team. This is from Nick shook. So in case you did not see some things or you didn't hear about every single position group, here are some of the people that performed the best at the quote unquote underwear Olympics. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, um, ran a 4.73, 40 yard dash Malik Willis, uh, you know, is is a guy that threw a couple of nice balls as well. But it says Pickett seems to be the most pro-ready passer in this class with the capability to play early. While Willis's cannon for an arm and incredible athleticism I have many dreaming of a dazzling future. So you see Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter also are honorable mentions at that position. Running backs Brees Hall from Iowa State. Um, and you can see the the best team fits here: Dolphins, Cardinals, Texans, Falcons. Um, so he's, he's one who he ran a four three nine forty. Kenny Walker, the second out of Michigan state said, oddly enough, same team, pretty much same teams in terms of team fits. He ran a four three eight forty 40 yard dash, a lot of speed, a lot of speed. Olav Chris Olav from uh, Ohio state. You see the Browns there as one of the teams that's a, that's a fit Four three nine forty 40 yard dash. That was quicker than I expected him to run. I, I, uh, You know, he he is an interesting guy there. Garrett Wilson also from the Ohio State. You can see here the Browns in the mix there in terms of fit. Sky Moore, another guy who received a lot of buzz from Western Michigan. A lot of the same teams here in terms of uh, teams who are interested. And then you see here some honorable mentions. Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Jalen Naylor from Michigan State. Slade Bolden from Alabama. Kevin Austin Jr. from Notre Dame. Alec Pierce, the local UC kid as well. Tight ends, Greg Dol- Dolchich. Um, and you see here, look who that, look who has the fit there. Cincinnati Bengals, tight end out of UCLA, ran a 4.69, 40 yard dash, big guy. So you like to see that. And the Bengals obviously have CJ Uzama, who's set to hit free agency. So that's where that would potentially make sense. Connor Hayward here. And this is Cam Hayward's younger brother, the uh, tight end out of Michigan State. Uh, and this, you can see here, he's more kind of a fullback H back. You see a Kyle used kind of role here. Uh, honorable mention, Trey McBride from Colorado state, Isaiah likely from coastal Carolina and Jelani woods, an interesting guy from Virginia left tackle, Ikea Uh He, he ran well and uh, you know, showed some athleticism there. You can see here, some of the honorable mentions from left tackle tackle Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, Bernard Ryman, from Central Michigan and Zach Tom from Wake Forest all um, did pretty well. Cole strange at left guard, honorable mention Ed Ingram from LSU and Kenyon green. Some people felt that Kenyon green didn't have the best workout. So it's interesting to, to see him down there. We'll see what we'll see, what teams make of him. Uh, I will say the Kenyon green, there's a lot more to him than just from what I lo- looked at it and researched with him. There's a lot more there in terms of tape, in terms of character, terms of versatility than what was shown on some of the athletic profile from the combine so uh he's a player i do like cam jergens at center honorable mention luke fortner from kentucky alec lindstrom from boston college right guard you see uh dylan parham from uh memphis andrew stuber Venerian love so I'll, I'll pin this here i could go on and on and on forever i guess i'll end with the right tackle this guy right here was really interesting Look. He moved pretty well, Charles Cross. You can see here he started with a four point uh, nine five forty yard dash, which is pretty good for a guy his size, and really good change of direction. As, as is noted there, honorable mention mentioned Max Mitchell of Louisiana. So um, that's a name to kind of keep. Your eyes on as well. And, of course, you see here the best fit Cincinnati Bengals. So I will share this with you here. These are some of the winners and uh, of the combine and or all combine team. And you can check that out. That is on NFL.com. I, don't, I could go on and on and on with that. So you got to do some of your own homework, ladies and gentlemen. And that will put us right about at an hour for the happening headlines in the Jesse Bates Franchise Tag Show. I'm Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, of course, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. The Cincy Jungle Podcast Network also is home of Orange is the New Black, the podcast from Mason Zim, and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from the coach, Matt Minick. all part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel and all part of the SB Nation Podcast Network as well. If you're new here, you can click the link right down there. To subscribe to the youtube channel we do a lot of different stuff we do this headline show we do a big wednesday analysis show we do free agency updates we're doing all kinds of stuff so keep it to our channel hit that to subscribe click the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available and of course subscribe to our podcast channel the cincy jungle podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer leave us a review if you could as well we appreciate that and we will continue bringing you all kinds of con- content throughout the off season. we got free agency around the corner, the draft, all kinds of stuff from all of our shows. So keep it to us. We're going to bring you more and more stuff. I promise you. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your week. Hopefully you enjoyed this show. Hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I, like I said, it's a little bittersweet with the Jesse Bates news, but we'll see what happens. There's a lot of time to work out a long-term deal, but Obviously a lot going on and the big first step in a critical, critical free agency period for the Cincinnati Bengals. In case you missed it at the top of the show, the Bengals do place the franchise tag designation on Jesse Bates. And there are a lot of other free agency rumors going on in terms of how they're going to help their team with outside players who could be big, big additions and help them get back to, and maybe win a Super Bowl in the very near future. Take care. We'll be back with much more this week